Welcome to Set Free 24-7. My name is Robert, and I am so glad that you're here. We are reading through the Bible out of the message version, and I have with me my beautiful wife, Heidi. I'm so glad we're not on video, so we'll <laughs> go with that. Thank you. We are. This is an early morning for us. It is. We've got some plans later today. We sure do. But we are glad to be here reading through the Bible today. Yes. So we're reading out of the message version. If you're just joining us, welcome. We're happy to have you along. Put us on in the background. Maybe if you're driving on the way into work, this would be a great way to spend 20 minutes. There are far worse ways to spend 20 minutes. Believe I me, I have spent some very bad sections of 20 minutes in my yes. life. Yes, this yeah. is much better. This is way better. <laughs> so we're going to jump in here to the New Testament. Heidi's going to be reading Matthew and Acts today, and then I'll be taking the Old Testament. The Old Testament, yeah. So we're going to role play. Like New Testament women were given a voice and could speak. So I'm speaking the New Testament. Right, this is the only place I can allow you to speak, really. I mean, exactly. you, you, you just aren't qualified gonna in the Old Testament. going to throw it back to the Old Testament, and you're <laughs> going to step into that. All right, so we are starting out Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. All right, here we go. This one is called the test. Now Jesus was taken into the wild by the Spirit for the test. The devil was ready to give it. Jesus prepared for the test by fasting 40 days and 40 nights. It left him, of course, in a state of extreme hunger, which the devil took advantage of in the first Since you are God's son, speak the word that will turn these stones into loaves of bread. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. For the second test, the devil took him to the holy city. He sat him on top of the temple and said, Since you are God's son, jump. The devil goaded him by quoting Psalm 91. He has placed you in the care of angels. They will catch you so you won't so much as stub your toe on the stone. Jesus countered with another citation from Deuteronomy. Don't you dare test the Lord your God. For the third test, the devil took him to the peak of a huge mountain. He gestured expansively, pointed out all the earth's kingdoms and how glorious they all were. Then he said, they're yours, lock, stock, and barrel. Just go down on your knees and worship me and they're yours. Jesus' refusal was curt. Beat it, Satan. He backed his rebuke with a third quotation from Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only him. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. They have a little pause in here, so let's see what he All has right, to the say. Pause. The pause. Jesus used the Bible as his defense against the devil without having a Bible in hand. How might the Bible be useful when you are confronted with temptations such as these? How can you prepare yourself for such time of temptation? I think what we're doing is part of that. This it is. is a preparation and a preparing because I know that I'm already learning a lot, picking up a lot. Of and just having a deeper appreciation, I think, for the Bible as a whole. Oh, for and sure. Just how seeing how Jesus, even in the midst of temptation, in the midst of being depleted physically and emotionally and everything, he turns in his, to scripture. I think what my takeaway from that was, if God himself is going to quote that scripture to be used against the devil, sure, it kind of gives his seal of approval on the scripture. Yeah. And it gives it a weight 
and in importance because it got flung right back at the devil himself. So yeah. last verse, All right. the test was over. The devil left and in his place, angels. Angels came and took care of Jesus' need. Mm. I can imagine those angels just like hovering over him. Like they're the protectors, the warriors. Sure. I mean, we think of these angels as these beautiful, glorious creatures are so pretty. They weren't. Angels are these fiery, I mean, they're like warriors. Just, you need to think of an all out warrior mm -hmm. ready for battle. These are not some cute little- These are not your mama's angels. Cool. <laughs> In the fact that they could not do their job when mm -hmm. it came to the one that they worship. Do you think they were held back? Oh. Like just sitting there, like they. In like, my imagination. They were told, like, you have. You he need has to, to go allow this. this. Right. There, you cannot go to him. But can you imagine the rush as soon as that was like, go as soon take as that care was of them? Yeah. That is their sole focus. in I love they it. need to be doing this. So those are just welcome to my mind and the things <laughs> that enter it. So moving on. I'm going to move on here to Acts chapter 4, and we're reading uh, verse 23 through 37. As always, I'm going to have the scripture that we're reading out of listed in the comments below. So if you want to follow along in your favorite translation, or maybe look up a verse later, all of the text that we're reading out of will be in the comments. All right. All right. Here we go. One heart, one mind. Oh, I like the sound of that already. As soon as Peter and John were let go, they went to their friends and told them what the high priests and religious leaders had said. Oh, that's right. They had been in front of them and had been told to be quiet, mm -hmm. stop talking, don't speak of this. So hearing the report, they lifted their voices in a wonderful harmony and prayer. Strong God, you made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. By the Holy Spirit, you spoke through the mouth of your servant and our father, David. Why the big noise, nations? Why the mean plot, peoples? Earth's leaders push for position. Potentates meet for summit talk. The God deniers, the Messiah defiers. For in fact, they did meet. Herod and Antius Pilate with nations and peoples. Even Israel itself met in this very city to plot against your holy son, Jesus, the one you made, Messiah, to carry out the plans you long ago set in motion. And now they're at it again. Take care of their threats and give your servants fearless confidence in preaching your message. As you stretch out your hand to us in healings and miracles and wonders done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus, while they were praying, the place where they were meeting trembled and shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's word with fearless confidence. The whole congregation of believers were united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the master Jesus and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed it according to each person's need. Joseph, called by the apostles, Barnabas, which means son of comfort, 
a Levite born in Cyprus sold a field that he owned, brought the money, and made an offering of it to the apostles. And it's hard to get away from the fact that it really is very clearly laid out how Christians are supposed to live with their fellow Christians and what we are called to do and to give. And so now, our favorite part of the segment, we're going to rewind, rewind. back to the Old Testament, I... back to Psalm 7. Oh, thanks for putting up with me. A David Psalm. God, God, I am running to you for dear life. The chase is wild. If they catch me, I am finished. Ripped to shreds by foes fierce as lions. Dragged into the forest and left unlooked for unremembered. God, if I've done what they say, betrayed my friends and ripped off my enemies, if my hands are really that dirty, then let them get me, walk all over me, leave me flat on my face in the dirt. Stand up, God, pit your holy fury against my furious enemies. Wake up, God. My accusers have packed the courtroom. It's judgment time. Take your place on the bench. Reach for your gavel. Throw out the false charges against me. I'm ready, confident in your verdict. Innocent. Close the book on evil, God, but publish your mandate for us. You get us ready for life. You probe for our soft spots. You knock off our rough edges. And I'm feeling so fit, so safe. I'm made right, kept right. God in solemn honor does things right, but his nerves are sandpapered raw. The visual of this mm, is... I know, I love it. Nobody gets by with anything. God is already in action. Sword honed on his whetstone. Bow strung, arrow on the string. Lethal weapons in hand. Each arrow a flaming missile. Look at that guy. He had sex with sin, and he's pregnant with evil. Oh, look! He's having the baby, a lie baby. See that man shoveling day after day, digging, then concealing his man trapped down that lonely stretch of road? Go back and look again. You'll see him in it head first, legs waving in the breeze. That's what happens. Mischief backfires and violence boomerangs. I'm thanking God who makes things right. I'm singing the fame of heaven high god wow mm. what a powerful just vision <laughs> wow I'm, and it's i love the lesson that he gives us and he's teaching us how to talk with god which prayer is and i think so often we change up when we go to mm. talk to god we don't just talk to him right. like oh we have to pray so it needs to be like this and there's got to be like the intro and do i start with dear father or dear god how am i going to do that today and then i have to kind of do this and then there's a middle section then let's wrap it up and add that amen look at david and the way he talked to god yeah. do this stop this do this but my favorite is his absolute open transparency about what he did. Mm -hmm. I raped a man's wife. I made up lies. I had this man murdered because he just wanted what he had. And I'm the king and I can make it happen. Oh, and look at that. A baby's coming. But that baby's going to die because 
I need to suffer my actions yeah. and learn. And and the fact that he did that so openly and transparency and look what he's able to say. I feel so open. So yeah, because there's a freedom in that. So that's my takeaway lesson. Don't fear transparency. Yeah. God's grace will turn that into a beautiful thing. And rewinding all the way back to Genesis. I'm not making this. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we are reading 18 through 20 today. So God appeared to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent. It was the hottest part of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing. He ran from his tent to greet them and bowed before them. He said, Master, if it pleases you, stop for a while with your servant. I'll get some water so you can wash your feet. Rest under this tree. I'll get some food to refresh you on your way since your travels have brought you across my path. They said, certainly, go ahead. Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. He said, hurry, get three cups of our best flour, knead it and make some bread. Then Abraham ran to the cattle pen and picked out a nice plump calf and gave it to the servant who lost no time in getting it ready. Then he got curds and milk, brought them with the calf that had been roasted, set the meal before the men and stood there under the tree while they ate. The men said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? He said in the tent. One of them said, I'm coming back about this time next year. When I arrive, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent opening just behind the man. Abraham and Sarah were old by this time, very old. Sarah was far past the age for having babies. Sarah laughed within herself. An old woman like me get pregnant? With this old man of a husband? God said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh saying, Me? Have a baby? An old woman like me? Is anything too hard for God? I'll be back about this time next year, and Sarah will have a baby. Sarah lied. She said, I didn't laugh, because she was afraid. But he said, Yes, you did. You laughed. When the men got up to leave, they set off for Sodom. Abraham walked with them to say goodbye. Then God said, shall I keep back from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham is going to become a large and strong nation. All the nations of the world are going to find themselves blessed through him. Yes, I've settled on him as the one to train his children and future family to observe God's way of life, live kindly and generously and fairly so that God can complete in Abraham what he promised him. God continued, The cries of the victims in Sodom and Gomorrah are deafening. The sin of those cities is immense. I'm going down to see for myself, see if what they're doing is as bad as it sounds, and then I'll know. The men set out for Sodom, but Abraham stood in God's path, blocking his way. Abraham confronted him, are you serious? Are you planning on getting rid of the good people right along with the bad? What if there are 50 decent people left in the city? Will you lump the good with the bad and get rid of the whole lot? Wouldn't you spare the city for the sake of those 50 innocents? I can't believe you'd do that, kill off the good and the bad alike as if there were no difference between them. Doesn't the judge of all of the earth judge with justice? God said, if I find 50 decent people in the city of Sodom, 
I'll spare the place just for them. Abraham came back. Do I, a mere mortal made from a handful of dirt, dare open my mouth again to my master? What if the 50 fall short by five? Would you destroy the city because of those missing five? He said, I won't destroy it if there are 45. Then Abraham spoke up again. Well, what if you only find 40? Neither will I destroy it for 40. He said, Master, don't be irritated with me. But what if only 30 are found? No, I won't do it if I find 30. He pushed on. I know I'm trying your patience, Master. But how about 20? <laughs> I won't destroy it for 20. He wouldn't quit. So don't get angry here, Master. <laughs> this is the last time. What if you only come up with 10? For the sake of only 10, I won't destroy the city. When God finished talking with Abraham, he left and Abraham went home. <laughs> I think just like God is like, I'm dealing with a bunch of junior high boys right now. Oh, like seriously. The like, back and forth. But okay, so you said yes to that. So one more time. So chapter 19. Oh man. Oh, the God. two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting at the city gate. He saw them and got up to welcome them, bowing before them and said, Please, my friends, come to my house and stay the night. Wash up. You can rise early and be on your way refreshed. They said, No, we'll sleep in the street. But he insisted, wouldn't take no for an answer, and they finally relented and went home with him. Lot fixed a hot meal for them and they ate. Before they went to bed, men from all over the city of Sodom, young and old, descended on the house from all sides and boxed them in. They yelled to Lot, Where are the men who are staying with you for the night? Bring them out so we can have our sport with them. Lot went out, barring the door from behind them, and said, Brothers, please do not be vile. Look, I have two daughters, virgins. <laughs> Let me bring them out. You can take your pleasure with them, but don't touch these men. They are my guests. They said, get lost. You drop in from nowhere. And now you're going to tell us how to run our lives. We'll treat you worse than them. And they charged past Lot to break down the door. But the two men reached out and pulled Lot inside the house, locking the door. Then they struck blind the men who were trying to break down the door both leaders and followers, leaving them groping in the dark. The two men said to Lot, do you have any other family here, sons, daughters, anybody in the city? Get them out of here and now, we are going to destroy this place. The outcries of victims here to God are deafening. We've been sent here to blast this place into oblivion. Lot went out and warned the fiancés of his daughters evacuate this place. God is about to destroy this city. But his daughter's would-be husbands treated it as a joke. At break of day, the angels pushed Lot to get going. Hurry, get your wife, get your two daughters, and get out of here before it's too late and you're caught in the punishment of the city. Lot was dragging his feet. The men grabbed Lot's arm and the arms of his wife and his daughters. 
God was so merciful to them and dragged them to safety outside the city. When they had them outside, Lot was told, now run for your life, don't look back. Don't stop anywhere on the plain, run for the hills or you will be swept away. But Lot protested, no, masters, you can't mean it. I know that you've taken a liking to me and done me an, an immense favor by saving my life, but I can't run for the mountains. Who knows what terrible thing might happen to me in the mountains and leave me for dead. Look over there, that town is close enough to get to. It's a small town, hardly anything to it. Let me escape there and save my life. It's a mere wide place in the road. All right, Lot, if you insist, I'll let you have your way, and I won't stamp out the town that you've spotted. But hurry up. Run for it. I can't do anything until you get there. And that's why the town was called Zoar, that is, small town. The sun was high in the sky when Lot arrived at Zoar. Then God rained brimstone and fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah, a river of lava from God out of the sky. And then God destroyed these cities and the entire plain and everyone who lived in the cities and everything that grew from the ground. But Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Abraham got up the next morning and went to the place he had so recently stood with God. He looked out over Sodom and Gomorrah, surveying the whole plain. All he could see was smoke belching from the earth like smoke from a furnace. And that's the story. When God destroyed the cities on the plain, he was mindful of Abraham and first got Lot out of there before he blasted those cities off of the face of the earth. Lot left Zoar and went into the mountains to live with his two daughters. He was afraid to stay in Zoar. He lived in a cave with his daughters. One day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is getting old and there's not a man left in the country by whom we can get pregnant. Let's get our father drunk with wine and lie with him. We'll get children through our father. It's our only chance to keep our family alive. They got their father drunk with wine that very night. The older daughter went out to lay with him. He was oblivious, knowing nothing of what she did. The next morning, the older said to the younger, Last night I slept with my father. Tonight it's your turn. We'll get him drunk again, and then you sleep with him. We'll both get a child through our father and keep our family alive. So that night they got their father drunk again, and the younger went in and slept with him. Again, he was oblivious, knowing nothing of what she did. Both daughters became pregnant by their father, Lot. The older daughter had a son and named him Moab, the ancestor of the present-day Moabites. The younger daughter had a son and named him Ben-Ami, the ancestor of the present-day Ammonites. And that's the end of chapter 19. We have one more chapter left. It's hard as a woman to hear these stories. And it's like here, I have a couple guests over at my house. There's men that want to tear them apart. But here, go ahead and have my daughters so, so I, I can keep these guests safe because they're men. Yeah. And the daughters grew up in a culture where this is how they were seen. Yeah. Just expendable. So I think that's often glossed over. And then we get stuck on these, oh, these hussy daughters. I can't believe. 
look at the culture. Yeah. Look what they were reduced to. If they didn't have a child, they were nothing. Yeah. Like literally nothing. Having a child was that important to a Jewish woman. Yeah. So they went to the extremes that they went to. And all we talk about is them. Their father was willing to literally allow them to be raped by a mob of angry men. Here they are, have Adam, but don't touch my guests. I know. And look who saved them. Yeah. yeah. Who told those daughters you matter? God did. Yeah. So that's my takeaway is even then God loved women mm-hmm. and valued women and saved them right along with the men who would be willing to just hear have them. They're just girls. Yeah. Whew. So we're gonna end here with chapter twenty. Abraham traveled from the south to the Negev and settled down between Kadesh and Shur. While he was camping in Gerar, Abraham said of his wife Sarah, She's my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream that night and told him, You're as good as dead. That woman you took, she's a married woman. Now Abimelech had not yet slept with her, hadn't so much as touched her. He said, Master, would you kill an innocent man? Didn't he tell me she's my sister? And didn't she herself say he's my brother? I had no idea I was doing anything wrong when I did this. God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know your intentions were pure. That's why I kept you from sinning against me. I was the one who kept you from going to bed with her. So now, give the man's wife back to him. He's a prophet and will pray for you. Pray for your life. If you don't give her back, know that it's certain death both for you and everyone in your family. I love this so much because I we had read earlier about this situation mm-hmm. and my mind just was doing in that outrageous unfairness but now we're reading god himself kept her from being touched yeah so again as i was just saying men didn't value women but god sure did yes bimelech was up first thing in the morning he called all of his house servants together and he told them the whole story they were shocked then abimelech called in abraham and said what have you done to us What have I ever done to you that you would bring on me and my kingdom this huge offense? What you've done to me ought never to have been done. Bimelech went on to Abraham, whatever you were thinking of when you did this, whatever were you thinking of when you did this thing? Abraham said, I just assumed that there was no fear of God in this place and that they'd kill me to get my wife. Besides, The truth is that she is my half-sister. She's my father's daughter, but not my mother's. When God sent me out as a wanderer from my father's home, I told her, do me a favor, wherever we go, tell people that I'm your brother. Then Abimelech gave Sarah back to Abraham, and along with her sent sheep and cattle and servants, both male and female. He said, my land is open to you, live wherever you wish. And to Sarah, he said, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. That clears you of even a shadow of suspicion before the eyes of the world. You are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife, 
and his maidservants, and they started having babies again. For God had shut down every womb in Abimelech's household on account of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And that is the end of chapter 20 and the end of our Bible reading today. Man, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. He's a character. I didn't really lie to you because she kind of is my sister, which is gross <laughs> in its own way, but still. I know, Abraham. My takeaway now, oh, the endless patience of God putting up with us us isn't that amazing though oh and so friends that's the end of our reading today this one went a little longer but man there was some good, good stuff mm -hmm. in here if there were any verses that stood out to you or maybe you have a comment on how things were handled then and the difference between how they're handled now we would love to hear right. about it we would love to chat with you in the comments or private messages. We appreciate all of that support. This is a new channel for us, so we appreciate a like, follow, a share. All of it is good and helps us out. We're just on a path to bring mm -hmm. a little bit of positivity to the airwaves. There's so much negative and so much divisiveness out there that we just felt it on our hearts at mm -hmm. the beginning of this year to just start putting a little positivity out there. Yes. So friends, thanks again for joining along. We appreciate having you on this ride of journeying through the Bible. Did did you I, remember what I you wanted to say? I believe that I remembered okay, it. Okay, yes. go ahead. So what I was gonna say that I'm really enjoying about this, especially with the bouncing back and forth, I'm gonna be real honest and say that I really avoided reading in the Old Testament because I hated how women were treated. Mm. It's really difficult to be a woman and read about the way they were treated. And I've always said, I am a New Testament girl because I couldn't have done this Old sure. Testament thing. And I'm so thankful to be reading this with fresh eyes that yes, women were treated horrifically. They were no more than sheep, cattle, here, take them, I'll give you this. They were just yeah. currency, but they weren't to God. And I'm seeing that and we have to realize there was an established culture here. Sure. And things don't change immediately, but you're starting to see a changing that's starting back there to prepare them. And there's some things that we're not gonna understand because culturally it was so drastically different yep. and Jesus hadn't come yet. Yep. And I'm reading it with that and I'm seeing what God did for women yes, out of love. And it's been a good thing because I know for a lot of people, it's difficult to read the Bible and get a grasp of God being so good and loving because there's things that don't make sense. Like I know. a lot of this. But when you see that there's a plan, yep. just stay with us. I think you're going to change your mind around about God. So thanks again for joining along today. We appreciate having you on this ride. We will see you here tomorrow for day number eight. We can do this. We can do this, and so can you. And we look forward to having you along on the ride. So thanks again for joining along, and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.